Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to episode 19 of Swimming Upstream and mine and Daniel DeVivo's weekly recap for week three of the Miami Marlins 2021 minor league campaign. Herein, as we've been doing since the start of the season on Monday off days, we'll be recapping what we saw from each affiliate, pointing out a couple guys at each level that stuck out to us, and of course, taking your questions. Before we get to that, though, Daniel, uh, we did have the drop today on Twitter and of course, on the website of our recently updated top 100, one, consensus top 100 prospects list. And we did want to delve into that a little bit on the biggest risers, maybe a couple of the biggest guys that dropped and why they did so. So for the first one, uh, the biggest one of the biggest risers was the guy that you love so much and for good reason, Yuri Perez. So I'll let you take him first. Daniel, go ahead. Hey, Alex. Happy to be here, as always. Um, third week. Very exciting uh, seeing our guys keep going on their development programs. Our list, I'm also very excited about this. Um, the idea, guys, is, is for us to keep this list fluid, um, to update it every once in a while. We don't want to do this like once a year, twice a year type of thing. We want to, you know, take, take into account um, players, results and and how much they're being challenged and the main thing is how we measure it is how much do we see these players um, um, impacting the Marlins future that's what we really ask ourselves when when we rank these guys so with Yuri with Audi um, you guys know I mean you know what I what I think about Audi so I'm not going to talk much about his stuff here Main thing with with him is we knew how good he was. We've been talking about him for a while. We just needed to see him um, as a pro. You know, we needed to see him playing playing in competitive games. And he not only got absolutely challenged to start his his career um, in Jupiter as the youngest guy in all of 120 minor league affiliates, but he's killing it. You know, he's just doing so well. in all of his three starts, he's been doing great, crazy numbers. So that's why, I mean, that's an easy explanation for, for that rise. Yeah, definitely agree. I mean, came right out of the gate, been solid in every single one of his starts, has a good mix of pitches. Um, the one thing that sticks out to me, I've mentioned this before, is that he kind of needs to get his anchors down a little bit more. He kind of needs to start repeating his delivery a little bit more and throwing every pitch from the same arm speed, putting as much effort into every pitch that he throws. But other than that, there's not a lot not to like. I mean, he's been really good against single A hitters. And uh, yeah, I mean, it is a pitcher's league. Um, That will help him, of course. That helps all pitchers in the old Florida State League, which is now uh, this low A league. But yeah, I mean, just not a lot not to like about this 18-year-old kid that got pushed so far so fast. And the organization loves him. And of course, if they're this high on him and willing to push him this far, and apparently for good reason from everything that we've seen, we're going to be high on him too. And that's the reason why he's up 30 something spots. Uh, the other big riser uh, that we had on our list, other than Mr. Perez, I'm going to go to Cody Poteet. I mean, this guy, it's not a guy that we heard a lot about, right? It's not a guy that you heard a lot about coming up through the minor league system. It's not a guy that you look at and say, okay, this guy has lights out stuff. He's going to, you know, go in there and strike out 10, 12 guys to start. It's not a guy that you look at and you're going to say, okay, he's going to go up there and be the next six or Sanchez or, you know, the next Edward Cabrera, but it's just a solid arm, man. I didn't, I think you could agree everything that we saw. Right. I think I mentioned on our first one of these recaps before he got called up that we could see him come up. 
And lo and behold, like a week later, or a couple of days later, not even we see him come up. Why? Because the guy has four pitches, right? He's throwing them all now. That's not something he did in his first, I think, two starts. He was more heavy on the fastball. Asked him about that. He's like, yeah, I, I kind of got to get back to my mix a little bit more, but I'm just trusting Sandy Leon, who was calling him, still is, or still was at least. Um, probably see Alfaro calling him when he comes back. But yeah, I mean, what we saw from him in this last start with that changeup, that is a absolute 100% table flip for him. I mean, if he's adding in a changeup of that magnitude, that's dropping off the table like that, that he's getting swings and misses with, as well as uh, weak contact, this is a guy who's going to be really good, man. I think this is a guy who could stick around as that fourth, fifth start starter piece. And in such a time that the Marlins need that. And that's why I said that he's going to be a big part of this team this season. So yeah, I really like what you see from Cody Pochi, especially adding in that changeup. Really good curveball as well. Hasn't used that a lot because he really didn't need it last start because of how good the changeup was. That pitch is really good too. Pumping the heat up to 97, which is added velo for him. I think he's going to be a piece, man. I think he's going to be, like I said before, I think he's going to be a piece for this organization. And I think he's really taken advantage of this opportunity. So what have you seen from Pochi? And do you agree, Daniel? Absolutely. Um, we, we kind of discussed it last week a bit. Um, and I know there are people who want to see him higher. Keep in mind a few things. Number one is um, we submitted these about a week ago. And I think he's had two starts since then where he's killed it. So, yeah, he probably, I mean, if he continues this production at the major league level, of course he's going to keep rising in, uh, on this list. Uh, it's as, as simple as that. And, yeah, I mean, he has shown higher velos. He has shown uh, a crazy changeup, you know, just falls off the table, you know, out of nowhere. Like, no one knew he had this. But, of course, you know, there was a one-year-and-a-half um, break here. So, he used that time wisely, clearly, and he has become exactly what we needed from guys like Nider, for example, um, or, or Castano. He he came up and he's, you know, he said, okay, I got this shot and and, and I'm going to take advantage of it. He's had three solid starts. He has a really tricky one this weekend against Boston. Um, if he If he can give us two, three runs, five, six innings. I mean, I'm a happy guy. Absolutely, with, with that Boston lineup. So, yeah, his stuff looks amazing, and um, he's, he's sticking away for, for a while. Um, Eliezer will come back and finally remove that bullpen spot. And when Sixto comes back, if everybody's healthy, the Marlies are going to have to make some decisions, which is great. Yeah. I mean, I mentioned this before. I mean, like recently on other shows, I mentioned it to Eli last night on his fish stripes uh, season preview or a series preview, excuse me, with the Phillies. Um, like, I guess it's a great problem to have, but uh, you know, once Eliezer comes back, like you said, that fills uh, that, that bullpen spot and lo and behold, the Marlins somehow after not having it for so long are back to a five man rotation. And that's because of what Pochit has done coming in and grabbing grabbing this spot and really taking advantage of his opportunity. So you love to see that, but then the question would be, what do you do when guys like Sixto are ready or Eddie is ready or another guy comes up and is ready to go. So, I mean, that's down the road a little bit. Maybe we'll save that for uh, a little bit down the road for another show, but uh, on the surface, that's a great problem to have when you see the realization and the stark improvement of, of Cody Poteet. Like we didn't know that he had that change up. He had the start of one, but not much. So yeah, it's a great problem to have. And we'll, I'm sure we'll get to that as these guys get healthier and we, we realize that a little bit more here. 
a little bit down the road, probably next month, maybe in July. So we'll see what happens with that. Uh, wanted to get to a couple more guys that we saw come up a little bit, up 17 spots on our list is Jake Eater. I think the reason's pretty clear here. Uh, challenge to double A and look what he's done. I mean, responded immediately. Um, I think he's had three starts. All of them have been good. So, yeah, I mean, you just love to see that immediate response from a guy like Jake Eater who comes straight out of a draft. He's challenged, and we're seeing why. Again, like Yuri, um, he's challenged, is doing good. Eater, he's challenged, is doing really good. So, yeah, um, it's clear to see why Eater is going up 17 spots to me, Daniel. I think probably to you as well. Yeah, um, absolutely. I think not much to say there. He got challenged with double A, just like Max Meyer, and he's having a better year than Max Meyer, <laughs> even when Max Meyer is having a pretty good year himself. So, yeah, of course, he was going to go up 17 spots. The other two guys, well, two other guys who I think we can group here had pretty considerable uh, rises are Zach King and Jeff Lindgren, um, plus 19 and plus 22 in their in their ranks. Uh, the reason I think I, we can group them here is is because, I mean, they're both being used as starters and being successful at it. So that basically doubles their, their, their upside. I mean, they were relievers in 2019 and now they're starters and, 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 and um, responding. So that was great to see those two definitely rose and will keep rising if, if they, if they keep on performing like this. Yeah. Yeah, definitely agree. Um, hundred percent, right. They're challenged and they're being used as starters. So that's the reason you see them climb so high on our list. We'll get to Lindgren a little bit more in the show when we get down to uh, to that level. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it's it's clear to see why why guys are, are being, if they're being pushed and they're being challenged and they're being used in, in the role of a starting pitcher, that's something you look at. And the Marlins are apparently high on those guys, so we're going to be high on them as well. Um, yeah, so those are the guys that, the main guys, I should say, that we saw go up a lot. We can mention a few that we saw go down I guess your main guys here, Daniel, would be Tristan Pompey, who fell 12 spots in our rankings, and Eddie Alvarez, who fell 11 spots in our rankings. So our reasons for those, I'll let you go ahead first. Sure. With Pompey, um, he just he just hasn't responded since being drafted. Um, not at high A. Um, and we, have, we didn't see anything special right now to start this season obviously he can still turn it around he has the tools he was drafted pretty high um so it's always a bit disappointing when this happens so i, I would say i mean when, when was he when was he drafted 2018 uh three years after being drafted um still haven't seen much results i mean i that that's why that's why he went down and eddie alvarez um you know he had a solid season in triple a in 2019 and came up and contributed a bit for for the mlb team for for the marlins when he when everybody went down for covid but you know he's back down in triple a he's doing okay but he's 32 33 years old you know as i mentioned when i was talking about the list um how we do it is we see how much value the player will have for the marlins in the future. And I honestly don't see much value from Eddie Alvarez moving forward. Maybe he can be called up again and added to the 40 man again and play a few games, but you know, it's, it's not something that, that we feel um, will be uh, very long or, or, you know, where he'll be very successful doing it. 
Yeah, I mean, it was cool to see Eddie come up last year. Obviously, in the COVID year, he came up and, and played a little bit for the Marlins. Made some nice plays, I think, at second base. I remember one such catch where he went, like, over his head and made a really good catch. But it's just a guy that's not going to give that future value. And that's, I think, what me and Daniel look at the most when it comes to this list is, as Daniel said, who's going to provide the most future value to the organization? That's probably why you see a lot of the younger guys probably a little higher up on our list than maybe some other lists that you see where they go with the more polished prospects. Our, our list, we're looking a lot at future value, like who's going to be here for a long time contributing to the Miami Marlins. And that's why a lot of the younger guys are on the upper side of our list. And a lot of the older guys are at the back end of our list. So that's the story for Eddie Alvarez. Um, cool story. I mean, he's now going to be competing in the Summer Olympics. Of course, he already competed in the Winter Olympics and won a medal there. So pretty cool. I don't think a lot of people could say, hey, I competed in both the Summer and Winter Olympics. So that, that, that'll be pretty cool if the USA does qualify, which they probably absolutely. Yeah. So that, that's it on Eddie uh, quickly on, on Pompey. Um, yeah. He, he just, just hasn't responded as, as, again, as Daniel said, um, a guy that was hurt most of the year in 2019. Um, he was playing for the then single A advanced Drupal hammerheads for the time that he did get in. And now he's getting challenged uh, to double A at Pensacola. Uh, it's just a guy who's always been that lanky guy. You wanted to kind of see him put on some size, add some maybe, really, really physical power to his already decently solid bat speed and gain that more frequent power. So he just hasn't really done that. Hasn't really added to his body. Again, he had the injury and now he's up in double a and he's playing against guys that are pretty much his age on average. He's less than a year younger than guys, his age or guys uh, playing at that level on average. So, yeah, I mean, I, I just don't see him, you know, turning that corner just all of a sudden and turning it on. Hopefully I'm wrong. But I think that's why he's he's so far down on our list is because he's missed time. Uh, he's kind of running out of time. He's 24 years old, playing at double A against guys mostly his own age. So, yeah, I mean, he falls down for that reason. Um, hopefully he could turn it around and prove us wrong. That would be great. But, um, yeah, just just uh, continues to lose time. I think that's the story with, with Tristan Pompey. That's the reason for those two. One more thing to get to before we move on, and we'll get to this quickly. Um, I had a lot of questions since the list has come out about Griffin Conine. So, because Griffin Conine has been awesome this last like week and a half, right? I think he has like five homers or something like that with uh, these single A advanced Beloit snappers. So why does he fall seven spots from where we last had him? And I think the reasons twofold, um, you know, I, I think the reasons would be the K, the K rate, of course, that he has, that he still has this year where he struck out like in his first, like, I think 16 at bats, he struck out like 14 times. So the K rate is still prevalent. He's did, he has, has been able to come by more contact here recently, which is great. And that's why you see those homers, the doubles, it's all great. But if he can't get that K rate tempered, that's, what's going to overwhelm him. Also Griffin wasn't challenged. He's playing again at single A advanced. So didn't get that push up to double A, right? Whereas maybe you could see him get push up to double A. Okay, the Marlins are confident in him. The Marlins want to see him in the same outfield as Peyton Burdick, as JJ Blade. He doesn't get that, right? So that's the other reason for Griffin falling slightly on our list. Um, but yeah, I mean, if he keeps up this kind of production that he's doing right now past a week and a half, could he come back up? Absolutely. So that's my thoughts on Griffin Conine. I don't know if you have anything else there, Daniel. Not much, man. Um, same as Poteet. Uh he started to kill it after we submitted these these numbers. So he should probably go up. Uh, but the main reason is what you said. You know, we, we based a lot of, of this list on where each player started. And, and he started at high A. Um, 
which I'm not, I think he's not repeating exactly. I think he was at single A level in 2019, but still, you know, he was a guy with, for his age, he's going to be 24 in July, uh, who we would have hoped and expected that the Marlins would be high, high enough on to send him to, to double A, but they didn't. Um, and good for him. Now he's showing why he should be promoted. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, is playing over his age with single A advanced boy. He's um, half a year older than league average competition. So uh, you want to see him get the push. I think he eventually will um, when moves start happening. But I, I did want to see him get challenged uh, to double A. It didn't happen. It, like Daniel said, it is good that that he's having success right now. Hopefully that continues and we see him come up soon. And if that happens, he'll definitely go up on the list. So that's what we got for the list um, that came out today. Um, took a long time to put it together, but I'm glad that it's, it's finally out. As Daniel mentioned, we did ha- have that list finalized uh, about a week and a half ago, uh, and I just now got it out. So we're happy to have it out. Uh, we appreciate all of the um, responses that we've gotten to it. It's done overwhelmingly pretty well, which we're really happy about. So without further ado on that, uh, we'll get to the affiliates, and we'll go to Jupiter first. Um, they go three and three, another split series, their second straight split series. Uh, negative three run differential. They did get no hit in the fifth game of their series. But they came back to win the last uh, and to earn that said split. So, Daniel, I'll let you go first. Uh, your two standouts for the Hammerheads. Sure. Uh, I would say not much to point out on the hitting side. Um, it wasn't good. They got no hit. <laughs> um, but on the pitching side, you know that I'm going to do my, my weekly Eudy Perez piece. <laughs> I'm sorry if I'm boring you guys already, but just – this kid, he just keeps impressing. Um, Jupiter fans should be excited. And for that matter, Beloit fans should be excited. I'm looking at you, River Rockers. I mean, he's coming to you. It's not happening in the next month or so, but I would expect to see him there by August uh, with the way he's playing. Um, in his last start, he only went four innings uh, last Tuesday he only went four innings and gave up one earned run but he struck out a career best eight hitters Um, and during this start it was actually you know the first time that he has ever been in like a really tough situation in-game situation you know he got babbitt to death in the first inning and had bases loaded with zero outs he got a ground ball for the first out and proceeded to strike out the next two and then after that he just cruised i mean that's what you want to see not just a guy being amazing the whole time but just see how he um responds to threats you know responds to tough situations so that that was definitely good to see um the other play i want to highlight is md johnson Uh, this is yet another guy who was a reliever full-time in 2019 with okay results and is now being transitioned into a starter um this is something that the Marlins have been forced to do with, with these six, uh, six game series. Um, Lindgren uh, is another guy who, who comes to mind, who has been doing great for Pensacola. Uh, Zach King, we also mentioned it as well when talking about the list. Well, MD was pretty amazing on Sunday. He pitched six innings, allowed zero runs, two hits, one walk, struck out 10. Um, he has been unhittable the whole month. You know, his, his problem has been the walks. He actually had um, 11 walks in his first five innings, but only one in this start. So definitely moving in the right direction, probably uh, a, a little bit of rust to, to start the season. You know, I mean, again, 11 walks in five innings. You don't see that every day, but 
you know, his, he's not being hit. The kids aren't seeing his, his, um, his, his pitches. The, my last note on, on MD is, is something I read from, from our friends at Fish Stripes. He possesses an average spin rate of 2,821 RPM on his slider, which is elite even for MLB standards. So obviously, you know, it makes sense that he'll dominate at this level if he can man that pitch at all, if, if he can command it. Yeah, it's been a little bit of an interesting road for, for MD Johnson. I mean, he was a starter um, pretty much all of his collegiate career. And then in 2019, the Marlins made him a reliever um, with, with the uh, Batavia Muck Dogs. Uh, after he got drafted, he went to Batavia and in 15 games, he didn't get one start in through 19 innings um, was okay. 4.26 ERA, but of course that's his first showing, um, you know, as a pro. So you got to take that into account. Uh, and then back here in 2021 and clearly um, the hammerheads want him or the Marlins want him to start and he's doing so with, with the hammerheads. So yeah, something to be said for that. Like we said with other guys before earlier in the show that uh, they, they see starter in him and there, there's something to be said for that. And he responded in this start, man, he was our, um, our prospect of the week for pitchers, uh, six inning outing, I believe with 10 strikeouts. So yeah, career highs in both for him. Really great to see. I mean, uh, yeah, uh, it's a solid guy. Uh, the slider, as Daniel said, looks really good, has a fastball as well. I think he mixes in his changeup. So yeah, six, five, one ninety, good build. I mean, it's, it's a guy we haven't heard a ton about, um, coming up through the minors, probably because of that lost 2020 season, we might've heard him make a little bit more noise if we would have played that season. But yeah, he's here and, and they want him to start. So um, there's something to be said for that and, and a really great outing for him this week for the Hammerhead. So good to see. Uh, just more pitching depth, right? Awesome. Uh, I'll get to my two for the Hammerheads. Um, and uh, Daniel always has his his weekly Yuri um, tidbit. Uh, and I, I guess this is becoming a guy that I talk about a lot as well with, with Troy Johnston. Um, it's a guy that I kind of labeled as like a dark horse, uh, you know, before the season started and on other programs and stuff like that. And there's a good reason why. I mean, he's he's been the most consistent hitter for, for this Jupiter Hammerheads team in a tough-to-hit league. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, he's been on base in each of his last 12 games. This week, he goes 6 for 18. He gets an RBI, three walks. All of his hits are singles. I think this speaks pretty well to the kind of hitter that he is. Really, really, really simplistic hitter. Just waits for a pitch that he can hit, tries to go with it. Whether he gets a single or a double, hits a gap, he doesn't really care. It just takes what he can, takes what he can get at the plate. That's the kind of hitter he is. Um, that's the kind of mindset he had at Gonzaga, uh, you know, he, where he hit 312 with a 386 OBP. Best tool, definitely the plate presence and the plate vision. The swing doesn't have a lot of speed for him, I would say. Does have a little bit of loft, which can allow him to gain that occasional gap, like I said. Uh, he does have the three doubles this year, but it's an average first bat and it's capable of the occasional double and very infrequent fence. Um, natural outfielder, the Marlins have been putting him at first base with the Hammerheads. His offensive skill set is a bit unfit for that position. So I guess the hope here would be that he can find some more power as he fills out. I think he's 23. So still a little bit of time, I guess. Um, he's got the floor of like that fourth outfielder, catalytic lefty type off the bench. If he can find some more power, he could be more. Um, I do want to see him get pushed to higher levels though. I think we both agree on that, Daniel. I think, and I think that should happen sometime this year, but I like Troy as just that really patient, mature hitter who doesn't waste his at-bats. Yeah, it's what we've been talking about. It's that outfield traffic in our system. It's so hard to promote guys yeah. because you know, every single um, affiliate is filled with outfielders. But but Troy definitely deserves um, a promotion soon. 
Yeah, definitely agree. I mean, there's a couple guys down there in Jupiter <laughs> that could that could be seeing promotions. JD Orr, if Dial Burgos continues to hit well, he's been pretty good. I mean, there, there's there's a couple names down there that to keep an eye on that could be guys that that could come up that are outfielders. So um, yeah, we'll see what happens with them. Um, I do think Troy is more fit for outfield than first base, but you do like to see the versatility. Um, I'll get to my second guy. It's Daxton Fulton. Um, wasn't great again this week, but I did want to point him out just because this is the best we've seen him. Obviously, high school pick, 2019 draft. Um, he is getting challenged. Another guy that's getting challenged to full season ball. Like I said, the youth's kind of showing a bit, but this was probably his best outing. Definitely his best outing for the Hammerheads. The issue for him thus far has been his control and command and being able to get too deep into games. Uh, this start, he goes four innings pitched or four innings pitched, 62 pitches. Um, not great in terms of the length of the start, but he does limit the Daytona Tortugas to just two hits, one earned run. The last start he had on 57 pitches, he gave up six runs, and that was in two innings. Uh, four Ks in his first two starts, five in this one. So that more than doubles his pro total. So you love to see that. You knew this guy was going to need to get his feet wet, right? Especially after the Tommy John, like I said, ended his high school career, pushed him back to the fifth round. So I think this could be seen as like that building block start, Daniel, right? Hope he can gain that consistency and command and control. Uh, and yeah, you just hope this is a start of positive development. I haven't seen him personally throw, but per reports, we've heard he's up to like 93, 94. He's got good spin rates. Uh, so yeah, I mean, primary pitch, primary breaking pitch is a curveball. Adds in a changeup, and we know what this development team has done with changeups. Rogers, Poti, Braxton Garrett, other guys. So I think he's in a good spot. Tons of time. He's still just 19 despite the lost 2020 season. So we just need to see development, man. That's what we need to see out of Daxon Fulton. Absolutely. Uh, Marlins just want to see him get innings coming from Tommy John surgery. Just stay in game, stay healthy, um, throw strikes. That, that's, that's what they want from him. You know, that's his objective coming back from Tommy John. Exactly. Exactly. So I think that's our, our guys, our two guys each uh, for the Hammerheads. We did have uh, a couple questions on them, actually. Um, I think I have them. The first one I have is from at top flight base B1. I hope that's the right uh, at. I'm pretty sure it is. Uh, what he wants to know, what do you think about Osiris Johnson? So, uh, Daniel, I'll let you go first. I have my own thoughts. I'll let you go first on Osiris. Osiris Johnson. Um he has had a, a tough start to the season with the bat, but I would say it's to be expected. He didn't just have the the um, year and a half stop. You know, this guy, he missed off 2019 as well with an injury. So now we're talking about two years and a half without playing competitive ball. But he has such a great swing. I mean, he's still young. You know, he's, he has, you know, a lot of time to find it. But again, just a great swing. He just needs some repetition and, and some experience. Um, I definitely see him as a guy who was, who was going to get very hot in the summer. Yeah, definitely agreed on that one. Um, it's a guy who had a great first series. Uh, we saw him hit a lot of balls hard. It's kind of cooled off since then. He went two for 20, I think, in this series, which is not great. But it's a guy that missed all of 2019 with an injury and then, of course, missed all of 2020. Back on a baseball field for the first time in over two years. I think he's also starting to get acclimated to his added strength and size because he is so much bigger than the guy we saw last time we saw him out on the backfield. So, yeah, just a guy that needs to uh, needs to acclimate, I, I would think, to gain that more consistency. But he did have that really good first uh, first series against the St. Lucie Mets. So that's kind of what you wanted to see him build on. It didn't really happen, but you know, it's going to be that kind of, that kind of season for some guys where they're hot and cold as they get their feet back under them, especially for a guy, like I said, with, 
with added size. He's absolutely transformed physically this year. And he is also hitting in the old Florida state league. So got to take that into account, uh, extremely hard league to hit in, hard league to hit in. So the word here on Osiris Johnson for, uh, the uh, the person that asked that question at Top Flight Baseball One, uh, the word here is patience. Just stay patient with Osiris Johnson, and I think we'll be fine. Agreed. Uh, all right, I had one more question on the Hammerheads before we move on. It's from at South Florida SO2, aka the temporary Garrett Cooper stand. Temporary Garrett Cooper stand. I laughed out loud. <laughs> I, I do believe that Coop's performance is here to stay, though. <laughs> I hope so, man. I mean, I, I guess I could see why he put temporary because he thinks he yeah. may, may go cold again, which is completely fair. But like our whole lineup. <laughs> hopefully, he can remove the temporary from his, from his Twitter <laughs> from his Twitter handle soon. That would be great to see. But his question is: uh, So far, the Jupiter Hammerheads haven't really had a catcher stand out. What catcher could become the starter, and why? Uh, I'll go quickly on this one because we got more to get to, and I'll say it's Cameron Barstad, uh, twenty eighteen high school pick, got just forty five plate appearances, twenty nineteen. Missed his first full year of development, of course, last year in 2020, which is really unfortunate for anyone, but especially like a high school kid, Daniel Wright. I think we talked about this recently, personally, back and forth about high school catchers, which are always kind of a big risk. And then he misses his first year of development. I think that's kind of what you're seeing here. But with Barstad's tools, I see a really nice, sweet line drive lefty swing. And he's got a cannon arm and he throws righty, by the way. So it's not like that bats lefty throws righty, which always interests me. Uh, but yeah, cannon arm behind the plate. Six first, first 35 to start the year. Again, like I said before, with Osiris, it's the FSL or the old FSL. And he's playing against guys that are a year and a half older than him on average. So it's a big challenge. What you do love to see is that the Marlins brought him to spring training. Obviously, that says to, speaks to the fact that they're pretty high on this kid. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, obviously, it's another guy that you want to just preach patience. I think this can go towards Osiris, Daxton Fulton, and now to, um, to Cameron Barstad. So yeah, it's, it's a guy that's going to need time. He's going to need time to grow. Um, the bat I think could come around cause he does have a really nice swing. Uh, so yeah, it's just a guy to be another guy to be patient on a lot of these guys at this Jupiter level. So I think if there is a catcher that's going to break out, it could be Cameron Barstead. Absolutely agree. Um, that's my guy here as well. I mean, just think about that. A guy who had never played above rookie level invited to MLB spring training, you know, above, other older and more experienced catchers that we have in our system. I think that says so much um, about what the Marlins think about him. So of course, I mean, 100% he is the, he is the top catcher at, at this level for the Marlins. Yep. Perfect. Okay. That's all we have on, on the hammerheads. We'll move on to the uh, single A advanced uh, Beloit snappers. Uh, they had a good series four and two with a plus eight run differential capped the series with a nice 10, five victory. Uh, two guys here for you, Daniel, go ahead. Alberto Guerrero, <laughs> he's just so solid, man. Uh, he pitched six innings, uh, gave up three runs, four hits, one walk, but he struck out 10 guys. Um, throughout his career, Alberto has been someone who you can count on. You know, as I mentioned, just solid to give you those six innings and um, good results. Uh, he hasn't been a high strikeout guy, but he has kept that hard contact to a minimum. This season, he has come out, you know, come out of the gate with, with strikeouts, but getting hit a bit harder, uh, a few more home runs that he's accustomed to. So I love seeing these, these types of outings from him and just seeing him um, kind of play with, with his repertoire and, and um, you know, 
getting different results, striking out more. Now he needs to adjust to that hard contact that he's been getting. So don't sleep, don't sleep on 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 Guerrero. Um, he's a guy who has been here for a while now, and and he'll he'll you know he'll keep on it. So so that's my guy on the pitching side. On the hitting side, I'm gonna I'm gonna do a repeat here. Last week I spoke about Thomas Jones after having such a great week, and um, I mentioned how if he can keep hitting, he should go through the system relatively quickly. Well, for this week, 389 average, 478 OBP with a couple extra base hits, four stolen bases. Um, I would say, you know, that's, that's, that's pretty good, man. Second week in a row. That leaves us with three outfield outfielders in, in Connor Scott, Griffin Conine, and Thomas Jones, who are showing us that they may be ready for, for promotions, um, which was the you know, one of the questions that we got for, for Beloit. Do you want you want to answer that one now, Alex, or do you want to go through your guys first? Yeah, we, we can answer it really quick, and then then we'll go we'll go through to the um, to my to my two guys. But I think the question was from Beloit Rockers, and he goes, how aggressive do you see the Marlins being with Conine, McCambly, uh, Nicholas, and Connor Scott? Will any be promoted out of Beloit soon, or can we expect them to stick around for at least another month or two? Um, I think the, 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 the safe answer here is I would expect them to be around Beloit for uh, at least another month or two, just because the Marlins aren't ready to move a lot of what they have out of the double-A level. I don't think you're going to see them moving Peyton Burdick very soon. I don't think you're going to see them moving their other outfielders anytime soon. JJ Blade, uh, Tristan Pompey. I mean, I, I, I would expect this outfield to stick together for at least another month or so. And then, you know, once you get closer to midseason, I, I, I think you could definitely see promotions because as Daniel mentioned, you have these three outfielders who are doing so great. I mean, Conine's doing awesome. He's one of my guys. I'll get to him. Uh, then you have Connor Scott who missed a little bit of time, but came right back and is doing well again. And then uh, Thomas Jones, you'd love to see it. I mean, Daniel just mentioned it. This is a guy who was kind of on a, a downward trend, and now he's, he's doing pretty well. So, yeah, I mean, I definitely think we could see promotions at some point, and I think we will see promotions at some point. But, man, uh, at Beloit Rockers, get out to Pullman Field, man. Get out to ABC Supply Stadium and enjoy these guys while you can because they're, they're a solid outfield to watch. And then in terms of um, McCambly and Nicholas, I think those are guys you could see push maybe a little quicker than the outfielders. Um, just because I think some of the pitchers uh, that are pitching with the uh, Pensacola Blue Wahoos could move a little bit quicker. Obviously, you're not going to move Meyer and Eater, but I think the guys behind them could move a little bit quicker. Um, you know, guys like Lindgren and others, I think they could move up a little bit quicker. So, yeah, I mean, I would give a slight edge to seeing McCambly and Nicholas come up before the outfielders, but I don't think there's any rush on those guys either, especially not uh, coming out of a draft. So, yeah, I mean, I, I would expect most of this team to stay together for, for a little bit. I feel that one of these three outfielders will get the call before the other two. And the reason, I mean, I, I agree with you. Uh, there's some solid depth in, in the Wahoos outfield, but Victor Victor is injured. Mm -hmm. um, and they definitely had him, had him there, you know, for, for a good while. I, I have no idea how, how bad his injury is. If it is, um, they do have a bit of a hole there, especially if Gerard is going to keep getting reps at first base. So there may be spot for one. And so between these three guys, um, the oldest, is, as we mentioned before, is Conine. Um, and 
something that, I've, again, from the beginning, we've said strikeouts. That's what they're going to be looking for. Well, first week, he had a 52% K rate. That's, um, that's not great. But second and third week, 32% K rate. Again, Marlins want to see him um, even lower than that, I'm pretty sure. But you can start seeing him getting so much better. So if he gives us one or two more weeks maybe of, of, of this type of production and, and keep bringing that K rate down, and just getting more contact, I would say that um, I, I, I would say that Conan would be the first one to go maybe in the next month, um, depending obviously on the situation at double A. Yeah, I mean, just because you mentioned that, I did hear uh, a small note on Victor. Victor, the last I heard, which was earlier in the last week, is that he was progressing well and he could be close to returning soon. So what does that mean? Hopefully that means this coming series. We'll see what happens. Um, I mean, yeah, but obviously that's a factor. Uh, Yeah, and I definitely agree with with Daniel that if you're going to move one outfielder, like if there has to be one outfielder to pick to move first, it would probably be Griffin Conai. I think that that pretty much says all we need to know about him. He was one of my guys in Beloit. The only other thing I'll mention on him uh, is just we need to see consistency, right? You just want to see – obviously, it's great what he's doing, but you want to see him put it together on a consistent basis. Obviously, it's not realistic to say, okay, he's going to go out there and hit five home runs every week or even three home runs every week, which would be great. But, you know, if he goes out there and can put put the bat on the ball consistently, right, whether he's hitting it over the fence – hitting it for singles, doubles, whatever, or even hitting it for outs. As long as he's putting a good bat on the ball and limiting his strikeouts, that's what the Marlins want to see is him really bring that K rate down. He did it this last week. Can he continue doing it? I think that's the key for, for Griffin Conine is consistency of contact. So when he puts the bat on the ball, man, Daniel, you know, it, it, it goes pretty far most of the time. So I think that's what you want to see from, from, from Griffin. Uh, I'll get to my second guy before we, we move on to double A. Uh, it's a guy that I don't think – is spoke about a lot, uh, but a guy that's been pretty solid this year. Uh, and another guy that's been uh, thrown into a starting role is Brian Hoeing. Uh, he's a seventh round pick out of 2019, comes out of Louisville, mostly a reliever throughout his collegiate career and exclusively a reliever in 2019, along with MD Johnson, who's pitching well for Jupiter, as we mentioned. So this season he's being used as a starter, as I said, in Beloit. Uh, first start, eh, kind of a struggle, but his last two have been pretty effective. Um, pitched into the sixth in each of his last two starts, giving up three earned runs or less. Uh, recorded his first career quality start on the 19th. Uh, so the first thing you see in Hoeing is really good size. He's 6'6", 225, really smooth, simple mechanics, has that good natural downhill plane, fastball slider changeup, up as high as 95 with heat, kind of slurvy kind of slider in the high 70s. Got away from throwing the change a bit while he was relieving. This has been his third pitch, which is what gives it less polish than the fastball slider, but he's beginning to show that changeup a bit more, which you'd love to see. And as we mentioned a couple of times, the development team and the changeup and what they've been able to do with other guys, nowhere to go but up for that pitch. So good signs in the last few starts from Hoeing. He is 24 in pitching in single A advance, pinning his likely future in the bullpen, but can go multiple innings. So you like to see that as well. So encouraging stuff from Brian Hoeing. Move on to double A, the Blue Wahoos. Um, before we get to this team, Daniel, I did want to send our well wishes to Mr. Quinn Studer who has ownership stakes in each of the Beloit Snappers and, of course, the Blue Wahoos. Um, it came to light on Saturday that Mr. Studer, who was gracious enough to join us on this exact podcast not too long ago, he was struck and hit by a hit-and-run driver while riding his bike in Pensacola. An update given by a Pensacola newspaper recently stated that he only suffered minor injuries, thank God, and he is home resting, which is great to hear. 
Daniel, I think I can speak on behalf of both of us and continuing to send our well wishes to Mr. Quinn Studer, who's a true philanthropist and community champion in two different cities in Pensacola and Beloit. You can listen back to that podcast and what he had to say, but just a great guy. And we definitely wish him well. Absolutely. All right. So we'll get to his team. One of his teams, I should say, uh, the uh, Pensacola Blue House. And they had a great week. Uh, again, they go five out of their six. They win five of six games, plus nine run differential. Ends an overall great homestand for them. They'll go next on the road to Biloxi to meet the Brewers AA affiliate, I believe. Daniel, go ahead. Two guys for you here in Pensacola. Well, I know you're going to talk about um, Burdick. So <laughs> all I'm going to say from him is don't let him get hot. <laughs> I'm telling you right now. Now he's striking out a bit more than what I'd like to see, but he's just clearly getting, just still getting acclimated to this level. Keep in mind that he went directly from single A Clinton to to double A. So we're talking about Conine, how he went from single A only to high A. Um, well, Burdick was was challenged, and so again he's getting acclimated to that level. He now has four home runs, and everything points at him just keep to keep getting you know, better from here. So what do you got on Burdick? Yeah. Peyton Burdick, man. The guy just, just keeps getting better and better and better and better. Uh, what I have on him did have that slow start. Uh, JJ Bladé included. These are the guys that we mentioned it on our last show. You want to see him come out and mask the ball right to begin the season. Obviously that didn't happen. It's understandable why it didn't, but as hyped up as a prospect as he was, you know, after winter in truck, spring training, all that stuff, kind of wanted to see it immediately. Didn't happen. You're seeing it here this this past week. Um, he goes eight for 25, three homers, three doubles, five RBIs. Was walking a ton in his first two series of the season, Daniel. Um, Ten walks, four, 14 Ks in those first two series. Um, this series, the Ks kind of caught up with him a little bit. Struck out seven times, walked just one time, I believe. So he was swinging a more aggressive bat, the kind of bat we kind of came to know from him when he was playing with the Clinton Lumber Kings in 2019. Um I tend to call him a power first hitter. He is capable of a good average as well, but he is a power first threat. So you can kind of expect him to strike out his fair share uh, of, of times, but he will regularly tap into his elite raw power, which he comes by via his awesome physicality, great bat speed, just so many tools as a hitter to, to Peyton Burdick. What you want to see from him this year, it's kind of similar to, to Griffin Conine, is the improvement of his hit tool. His hit tool, I believe, uh, per Fangraphs is at a 30 right now, which is not great, or at least was before the season started. Um, they give the future value of 40. I would say it's probably a little higher than that because I think he is capable of a good average. Um, so, yeah, I would probably put his hit tool slightly a tick above 40 and maybe say 45. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's what you want to see. You want to see his hit tool start matching his power tool, right? So consistency of contact, that's going to lead to more power. Uh, after the lost season, there's absolutely no rush but this week was a really good first sign indicator that he's starting to adjust to double A pitching. And he appears to be doing so early on this season, which that's awesome. I mean, he, he only took him like a week and a half or so to get acclimated to seeing double A pitching. And he's always had a good hitter's eye. So yeah, WRC plus is up above hundred powers there. 10 of his first 11 hits have been extra base hits. Great week for him. We'll see if he can keep it up. Finding the bat, temper his overall 30% K rate so far this season. That's what's really going to be big for Peyton Burdick. Quick note here for for those who, you know, people are asking if we should start getting worried about J.J. Bladé. No. <laughs> what I say is, of course not. <laughs> He's not looking good out there. I mean, that's that's not news. But a year and a half 
break affects players in different ways. You know, JJ is hurting right now, but he will find it. We've seen him play and, and we know the kind of hitter he is. Yes. I mean, I also saw that he's not been hitting line drives at all. People have this misconception that when good players struggle, it's always because they're hitting the ball hard, but it's not finding grass. That's wrong, man. I mean, there, there are players who lose it for several games and several weeks. Um, JJ needs to adjust and with experience, start finding those routines to avoid these long slumps from, from ever happening again. I mean, that, that's what the minors are for. Yeah, exactly right. Absolutely no reason to get excited about J.J. Blade, who is getting pushed to double A. You know, th- there's, there's, there's no reason at all to say, oh, my God, what's going on with J.J. Blade? Why isn't he hitting? So, I mean, he is walking, which is great to see. We do know he has that, that great patience as well, along with Burdick, who has the great eye. JJ has great patience. So it's coming. <laughs> Pensacola, everybody that follows the Blue Wahoos, everybody that's asking about JJ, everybody that follows the Marlins system, it's coming. It's going to be here. It's just not here immediately in 2021. Let it go. It'll be here. Stay patient. Agreed. Um, my, my, my other guy is actually um, Sean Gunther. He just had an amazing week, man. I mean, that was lovely to see. Two appearances in relief. He pitched five innings, right? He gave up one hit, zero walks, while striking out 10. Now, what he did in three innings of work on Saturday was just dominant. You know, three perfect innings, struck out eight of the nine guys he faced. I mean, that's, that's, that's freaking Josh Hader stuff. Um, he's also a lefty, so that, that's, that's why I compare <laughs> For the year now, he has a 1.59 ERA with a 1.06 whip with 16 Ks and 11 innings. As I mentioned, Gunther is a lefty reliever for Miami. He was drafted in the seventh round in 2017. He had fine, okay seasons in 2017 and 2018, but really came into his own in 2019 between the single A and high A levels where he um, improved in every single pitching category. So he's definitely continuing where, where he, um, you know, where he left off in 2019 this season. A guy definitely to monitor who can make an impact in the majors soon. Um, I really like what I'm seeing from him. Yeah, yeah, definitely agree there. Awesome. So I, I guess I'll get to my second guy because we went through Burdick. So my second guy is, we talked about him last week, but I want to mention him again, Daniel. This is Jeff Lindgren. Um, another really solid start. Records another quality start. Six innings without giving up a run. Wasn't untouchable by any means. He gave up eight hits. Um, you know, so definitely not, not uh, you know, blow it by you stuff. But that's not the guy he is. I think this is more of a pitch-to-contact guy that really just limits his pitches. I mean, he was able to, able to roll three double plays in that start to get out, of, get out of trouble three different times. So, like I said, not overpowering by any means. But three good pitches, fastball change of curveball. His curveball is like a tight 11-5 curveball. I think that's his best breaking pitch. Um, his heat is up to around, I think, 93 to 94 from what we heard on the Blue Wahoos broadcast. He's this guy that attacks the strike zone, commands the lower half, always limited walks. That's a big thing for him. Really good command. So I think that's probably his best tool. And he's going to limit pitches when he's at his best. Through just 78 pitches through six innings in this outing, transitioning back to being a starter after relieving in all of 2019 after he was drafted really late by the Marlins. I think like a late 20th rounder, like 25th, 24th round, something like that. I believe if I'm not mistaken. So yeah, I mean, just a solid arm that, that gets out. 
Um, what is his big league future? Um, I would probably say it's it's a multiple inning reliever. But the fact that they still want to see him starting and that Kim Ang still wants to see him starting, we mentioned this with other guys, that says something that they still have, um, they still place some emphasis on this guy's future as a starting pitcher. And he's been pretty good. So yeah, I just wanted to point him out again, another big riser on our on our top prospects list. I think he jumped 20 something spots and for good reason. And you're seeing it on display at the double A level. So um, can he stick as a starter? I think he could. I think his likely role with the Marlins or another team in the future though, is probably that swingman multiple inning reliever. I mean, I mean, I really liked what I've seen from 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 Lindgren. I mean, he's he's not just being challenged as a as a starter after after being a reliever all this time. He's also being challenged at a higher level. You know? mm-hmm. So two challenges in in his role and in at his level, and he's responding. So I agree with you absolutely. Yeah, definitely two solid back to back starts from from Lindgren. You would love to see him try to try to cement himself as a starter. I mean, I, like I said, I think, I think he can do it, but I think the the likely role uh, for him on a major league team is reliever, but man, if he can keep pitching like this, he can definitely prove some people prove me wrong <laughs> and maybe live up to a bigger ceiling in the major league. So great to see. We'll see if he can continue this week. All right. So uh, that's all we have from our friends in Pensacola. We'll move to our last affiliate in AAA. Uh, another great week here for the Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp. They also go five and one, and they have a plus fifteen run differential. Give up just eleven runs. Uh, their second time facing Norfolk, Daniel. Uh, we talked about seeing the same team a bunch of times this year, and how pitchers will adjust. We're kind of already seeing that early. I think you saw that uh, here uh, a little bit with the um, with the Shrimp adjusting to the um, Norfolk Tides, who they saw early on this year. Worth noting as well that goes into this equation. Eliezer Hernandez, who was uh, on a major league rehab start, he did throw twice in the series. So that definitely had an effect, but I think the bullpen pitchers and other starters, I mean, I think they definitely uh, picked up a little bit from what they saw in that first series against Norfolk. So I'll let you go first uh, here with your two guys with the shrimp. Go ahead. Yeah, the shrimp are really enjoying the rehab <laughs> assignments <laughs> from the Marlins with Alfaro and, and Eliezer they're about to get, Starling Marte. Yep. Um, and re- reinforcements are coming soon and, and just you know, small names in Edward Cabrera, Sixto Sanchez, George. <laughs> no Kuzma. big deal. Yeah, no big deal. Um, this team keeps just playing so well. I'm going to talk about one guy though, uh, which is Braxton. Uh, Braxton, since he was drafted, I've always been, you know, I, I stand Braxton. <laughs> I, I really like him as, as a pitcher, um, and he had he had a, st- a solid start this week. Six innings, no runs, four hits, five Ks. Just a nice, clean start for him. It's exactly what we want, what we need to see from him. Um, remember, he's also being pretty uh, challenged here, even though he did have his few innings in the in the majors last year. Um, he pitches the whole 29 season at high A. Now he's a triple A. You know, with with I think they're still using the the um, the old balls. Um, so I mean, this isn't pitching a triple A right now is not easy. Um, so again, exactly what we need to see from him with the emergence of Potit and Eliezer's imminent return next week, Braxton will now finally have some time to just finish his development at AAA. So I love to see the starts, you know, where he keeps the traffic down and doesn't allow any damage. Um, you'll have a tough time though, finding a spot in the big league rotation. When Sixto comes back, we talked about this 
it's good problems to have for Miami. Uh, but we know what Braxton, you know, what he's capable of. That curveball, his slider is looking good. If he can keep throwing his fastball in the 92-94 range, I mean, he's going to be so good. I want to see, I do want to see him bring up those K numbers a, a bit, though. More strikeouts. Yeah, it's a guy that, that just continues to build and gain polish, right? I've talked about him before and how important it is for him to get ahead early in counts. In this start, I was going back through it um, right after it happened. I think the day after it happened. A day after he threw, I was going back through it and I was seeing that he wasn't throwing a ton of first pitch strikes, but he was coming back with that second pitch, at least to even the count. And then, you know, just getting into the at bat and letting his breaking pitches go to work. So yeah, as long as he's, you know, throwing that first pitch within the first two pitches, you would like to see him get a first pitch strike. If he's evening the count though, and he let his breakers go to work from there, that's huge. And that's what he's doing more often now um, this year in the, in the minor leagues, which is a big stepping stone for him. Mattingly says it; he has to get ahead with the fastball and then go to the breakers. Definitely agree. That's when he's most effective is when he's, when he's working either even or ahead in the count. So yeah, if he can, if he can either throw a first pitch strike or at least a second pitch strike, it's a guy that's going to build off that and really get into the at-bats and be competitive. So if he's behind in two Oh three Oh counts, that's when you start to worry about Braxton. So command issues, I think he's starting to iron them out. Uh, it's been a slow build for that. He's kind of been working on that for a little while, but I think you're kind of starting to see him, um, you know, the, 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 uh, the fruits of his labor, I guess you should say, because he has been working on this for a while. So I think you, you see that coming to fruition here early in the minor league season. And hopefully it continues because I think Braxton for all of the people that are out on him and asking to trade him, just no, <laughs> I completely disagree. I, I'm all with Daniel. I definitely want to see him succeed and be a part of the Marlins rotation. So people just want to trade him for, for relievers. I mean, I, yeah. I can't, every time I see that, I just can't, you know, we're going to trade this guy. He has to bring top value back, uh, and he's going to show it this year. Exactly. I, I definitely agree. All right, so uh, I'll get to two briefly here. I'm not going to touch too heavily on these guys, but I did want to get to them because they're the, the main two guys that impressed me. I have one on each side, offense and defense. So the first one I want to mention is uh, Luis Marte. So Luis Marte is a Marlins offseason signing from back in January. Really long minor league career for him at a few different stops, Rangers, Atlanta, and now Marlins. Probably the last name anybody expected to hear on this podcast uh, in terms of prospects and, and top guys that, that we want to see. And, you know, all these top prospects that are really high on our list. This guy is not on our list. Uh, but yeah, j- just the guy who's been really solid for, for the Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp. So very easy for Al Padrique to get this guy into games. I think that's the main thing you see here and why he's played so much. He's already played Daniel at five positions this year. He's played first base, second base, shortstop, third base, and left field. And he's hitting really well. 294 batting average, 315 on base percentage, and a 510 slugging. This past week, he goes six for 15 with a homer. I believe it was a three-run homer and four RBIs. He has an eight-game hit streak going. Mostly a flashy, flashy like single score average type bat. But apparently he's coming to some power this year. Already three homers, two doubles, and 10 RBIs. Obviously not a big, huge part of the Marlins' future. But he did take part in spring training, and he's hitting pretty well. Again, really easy to get into games. Plays a number of spots. We see Brian Anderson last night, unfortunately, go down with an injury. If he has to miss time or if the Marlins' injury woes continue in other ways, hopefully not. But if they do, I definitely think over the course of 162 games that this is a guy you could see come up and add some depth to the bench. And like I said, he plays like virtually everywhere. So yeah, a really nice sign to see from a depth guy like Luis Marte. Listen, I like Marte, but don't scare me like that. <laughs> we need Andy. 
Yeah. I mean, hopefully that's not serious. It looks like he just jammed his shoulder on the slide, but mm. I mean, yeah, the point, the point still stands that, you know, if the Marlins do, you know, continue down this road of injuries, it's nice to know that you have, mm-hmm. you know, Definitely. some depthy some pieces depth. on there that can come up and contribute, you know, off the bat. So definitely. Yeah. Good to see. Uh, and then my second guy, I'll get to him briefly, Parker bug, uh, late round pick from all the way back in 2016, Daniel. So he's been around this organization longer than a lot of guys in the system. He did make it to AAA in 2019, um, struggled, but that was a PCL. So kind of expect that from a new pitcher in AAA. Um, but yeah, uh, off to a good start this season. Keeps it rolling this week. 4.1 shutout innings, five strikeouts, 10.1 innings overall this year. Allowed just one run this season on a solo homer. One of his three hits allowed. Again, just three hits allowed this year in 10.1 innings. So pretty good limiting contact, getting whiffs, getting strikeouts. Good to see um, a lot of different looks out of the bullpen. The guy's got like four pitches, fastball, changeup, slider, curveball. The last pitch is really good. Tire arc, nice drop, can bury that curveball. He's gotten guys to look really foolish with it. 6-6 and uses that frame pretty well. Nice, easy motion. Just solid middle relief stuff, man, uh, with the ability to go multiple innings. I've really liked Parker Bug this season. All right. Good so I, Yeah. You want to get some more questions? Yeah, so that's all we have on the affiliates, guys. Uh, we're going to get to some more questions here before we go. Daniel, you got them. Go ahead. Okay, cool. Um, let's see. We got here one from at MarlinsFan9, Juan Carlos Gonzalez. Is there any info on Yidi Cafe? Whereabouts? How does he look? Um, Yidi is in, currently in the Dominican. We honestly don't have eyes there, so we're absolutely dependent on what the players post in, in, in their social media accounts. And from what we've seen, his swing just looks beautiful, guys. I mean, granted, players only upload their, their best plays, <laughs> but, but I really like what, what I've been seeing. Uh, by the way, we have been getting this question, um, when did DSL and GCL games start? Um, I asked, you know, we have a source in the Marlins and they confirmed that, you know, he said that there aren't any dates confirmed, but that it, they're currently expected for July, both leagues to start in July. So definitely good to keep that in, in mind since we do have so much talent at those levels. Yeah. I mean, we, we got to kind of preach, um, preach uh, the unknown or I guess ignorance on this one, because we just don't know what's going on there. Uh, we're not going to tell you guys that he's doing great. And because we just don't know, we're not going to tell you he's doing bad either. Cause we just don't know. We don't have a lot of um, a lot of uh, ability to cover the Dominican Academy, but from, as Daniel said, from what we've seen from him posting his, his videos on, on Instagram and on social media, I mean, can't argue with how he looks. I, I'm really excited to get these, these, um, these uh these shorter season uh schedules started with the gcl the dsl and see these guys play yiddy uh you know other guys brady Encarnacion, i'll mention jose salas i'm really stoked to see where these younger kids are because it's just one of my favorite facets of the minor leagues to cover is the the youngest kids in the system or that are uh, more than yeah all these guys yeah there's there's so much to cover Evan Fitterer, who's working his way back, apparently from injury. Uh, so yeah, I mean, just, we could go name after name, but you get the point. I'm, we're really excited for these lower levels to start. And when they do start, we'll have more coverage across our channels. All right. Question from Eli, who always comes up with the most cool, the coolest question. <laughs> so Eli says you can't choose injured guys and excluding Meyer slider. What is your favorite individual pitch in the Marlins system 
right now. <laughs> so Eli, you slime mix. You excluded Meyer Slider and obviously no injured guys. So no Eddie pitches, no Sixto pitches. Um, so to start this season, I don't know what you think, uh, Alex, but I'm going to go with, with, with Eater's Curveball. Mm-hmm. I mean, that thing is nasty. What a weapon. He has such command um, of that pitch and uses it, it in any count against lefties and righties. So I would say that's definitely my pick right now. Um, I'll give you second place, my second place after, after Alex gives his. Yeah, uh, I'm also going to go curveball. And I, I was thinking either because that thing's nasty and was labeled one of the best pitches in the draft for a very good reason. But another guy that had one of the best pitches in the draft and another great pitch, I'm going to go with Zach McCambly's curveball. Yeah, sure. Uh, Zach McCambly's curveball is dead nasty. Wipe out action on it, can bury it in the dirt, can place it on corners, can place it on the black. And he's shown it all season so far. I mean, in every one of his starts, that pitch has been on. It's been there. And we're seeing why it's it's it had that that label on it, and it's more than lived up to his potential already. Mixes in his other pitches as well. Good velo. I mean, this kid's going to be really really good. Zach McCambly's curveball. Watch that pitch, man. And good luck to the High <laughs> A Central on picking that pitch up out of his hand and with the drop that it has. I wouldn't want to face it. Yeah, I was going to cheat. I'm going to say second place was uh, Max Meyer's fastball. <laughs> <laughs> Can't use his slider. Fine, his fastball. Um, so a fun question there by, by, uh, Eli, um, question by at Jimenez Juanse, um, how long will Burdick need to keep up this week's production to get called up to AAA? Um, so as I mentioned earlier, Burdick was already challenged with this assignment to AA after playing two lower, you know, two levels lower, uh, in 2019. If he keeps, if obviously, if he keeps up this week's pace, which was crazy for a couple more months, uh, then I expect to see him in the majors in no time. Again, you know, if it's 320 with, you know, seven extra base hits or whatever, he'll be in the majors this year. But realistically, um, you know, he'll he'll have amazing weeks and have not so, so amazing weeks because again, he's just. He's just getting used to this level and to these pitchers, higher, higher, um, higher level teams. So, so, so yeah, I mean, I would say if, if he keeps it up, he'll be in, in Jacksonville probably mid end of the summer. Yeah, definitely agree. I mean, I think the basis of the question is probably weighing on everybody's expecting Jesus Sanchez to get called up, which uh, I definitely agree with that. So, you know, do you see, do we see, Peyton Burdick taking his place? And the answer to that question is no. Um, as Daniel mentioned, he was already pushed to be at the level that he's at. They want to see him get acclimated to, um, you know, upper minors pitching on a good basis, not just a week, not just a month. They want to see him do it over the course of a couple months, at least before they call him up and give him his next challenge. So I would definitely uh, agree with Daniel and say that we are expecting to see Burdick in Pensacola for most of the season, I think maybe last month of the season, you could see him get pushed up and get a cup of coffee with the Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp. That's definitely possible. But they want to see that uh, that production on a, on a pretty good basis before they make that call. So this is great news for the people of uh, Pensacola. Uh, for most of the year, or if not all of the year, you guys are going to be getting Payne Burdick, uh, Jake Eater, Max Meyer, probably J.J. Blade. So if you're in Pensacola or if you're anywhere near that area, go enjoy that team, man, because that's a star-studded squad. And the Beloit guys are coming, 
sooner or exactly. later. Exactly. <laughs> yep. Uh, last question from at Stixmer. What is a catcher situation in the minors? Um, okay, so I think it's no secret that catcher is the position we're thinnest at throughout our whole system. Uh, big league team has some serious holes there. Uh, we can only hope that Alfaro finds it and becomes a league average catcher because we already saw what happens when he's not there. That was not pretty with, with Wallach and, uh, and Leon. So in the minors, our top catching prospect is Banfield. Um, I think everyone knows that. He has still many question marks with the bat. He looks great in every other aspect of the game, but we haven't seen any real development with the bat yet. I hope that's coming because, I mean, he's just so good back there. Um, below him are guys like Fortes, who has impressed a bit this season to start, but I don't really see him as Miami's catcher of the future either. Navarrete has been a nice surprise. Um, I definitely prefer to see him over Wallach if something happens to Alfaro or Leon. But um, he doesn't look like the catcher of the future either. He may be. I mean, if he really, really finds it and, 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 and shows it at the major league level, he may be. But I don't see it. After them, we got guys like, like Dustin Skelton, who is currently on the Beloit IL. Um, I feel he has some good upside, but he just needs to stay healthy. Um, he hasn't played many games as a pro. The guy... Um, Obviously, the guy who, I, who we mentioned before here, who the Marlins have identified as an interesting prospect, is Cameron Barstad. You know, he may be, he may be, he may have the upside to become the Marlins catcher of the future. We'll need to see a lot more for that to happen. The Marlins are definitely high on him, but but he's definitely an option. And then lastly, the Marlins got two Venezuelan catchers this year um, as international amateurs in in Ronald. Ronald Hernandez, Ronald Hernandez, who we have ranked at number 51 in our top 100 updates, and Edward Duran. So, so yeah, those two guys with high upside. I'm really excited to see Hernandez in, in action this season uh, to see what we have. Yeah, I think you rolled through it pretty well. Um, Navarreto, what he's doing is awesome. Uh, he did go over his last seven in this series, but hopefully that's just a little cold streak and he picks it back up. But uh, past him, what do you have? Uh, Navarreto, I, I definitely agree with you, Daniel. He's not going to be, I don't think he's going to be the catcher of the future for the Miami Marlins. It's great to see that he's producing in AAA. He did take part in spring training, which is all great. Uh, but, I, you know, I, I don't think he's that, you know, that cornerstone catching piece that the Marlins are hoping for personally. If he is, cool. Uh, but I, I, just, I just don't, I just don't see it. Um, Will Banfield, um, he did it a homer, I believe, this week. Um, you know, you want to say that the bat is coming around, but watching his, watching him hit, it's just, it's not that he's lost. I, I really, I don't want to put that label to it because he can make really good contact. And when he does, the ball goes pretty far. I mean, he has a really nice line drive swing with over the fence power. Um, you know, you want to see him at least get to that point where he's hitting, you know, in single A advance where he's hitting like 240, 250, right? Something like that. Just not striking out at the clip that he's striking out at, making good contact. Um, you know, it doesn't have to put every ball over the wall to be a, a, a good or at least above average or at least average, I would say, um, you know, offensive catcher. You know, so, you know, obviously he does what he does behind the plate and that that's what he's known for. But to be a major league player, you have to have the bat too. So, Hopefully it's coming for Will Banfield. You like to see the homer. Um, I just want to see more contact, man. That's what he needs to do. Just put the bat on the ball more um, and just visualize. That's that's really what his biggest thing is. Um, past him, 
Dustin Skelton, um, we haven't seen, I don't think, a lot of him this year, Daniel. Um, so I'm not going to make a judgment call there, but I do like his potential. I um, do like his arm. Cameron Barstad, we talked about him earlier on this podcast. I think that's a guy that that if you're going to you know, look at a guy in terms of a long-term developer and say, okay, I really want to see this guy do well, or I really think this guy could do well. I think it's him because, uh, you know, lefty bat, like I said before, really, really great cannon arm behind the plate, not too dissimilar from Will Banfield's arm. Will Banfield probably has the best catcher's arm in the system, but Barstad, I don't think it's far away. I think Barstad's really solid. I want to see him put it together offensively with um, the hammerheads. Uh, that's going to be really great to see if he can do that. So I think that guy is the guy I have my eye on in terms of a prospect that I want to see develop. And then I'll give you another one just as uh, a dark horse that nobody really probably thinks of just because he hasn't played a lot with the Marlins is Keegan fish. Um, a, you love his name. Um, I mean, his <laughs> last name is fish and he's on the Marlins. So how can you argue with that? So yeah, 2018 pick um, 13th round pick. I mean, he's a solid stocky kid. Haven't seen a ton of him, as I said, but a guy that you could see, you know, you just look at him and you see catcher, right? When I look at Keegan Fish, I've seen him a couple of times on the backfields. You could tell that he's got that catcher's body, that catcher's stocky build. Uh, from what I hear from the couple of reports that I've gotten is that he can frame really well. Um, he is going to be catching some younger kids if he starts probably in the GCL. I think he could make it up to Jupiter sometime this season if a Barstad or another catcher on that squad is pushed. So yeah, uh, just a dark horse candidate to keep an eye on there. Uh, haven't seen a ton from him, just 69 career at bat. So you do want to see him a little bit more. So uh, a guy to follow there in the GCL, Keegan Fish. All right. I think that's all we have for the uh, week three recap, our weekly recap on a Monday here of the Marlins minor leagues, giving you some insight into who impressed us. Uh, great, great show, Daniel. Thanks again so much for coming in and joining me. Uh, great insight as always. If you're listening to this on Tuesday the 25th, Happy Eudy Perez, Zach McCambly, and Max Meyer Day. Yes. Have fun. We got another ace day on the mound here on a Tuesday for the Marlins minor league system, and we'll be following that, of course, as well. Thank you guys, as always, again, for all the awesome engagement. Everybody that sent in a question. If we couldn't get to your question, we apologize. Keep sending them in, though. We'll try to get to as many as possible within our hour podcast, and we will see you guys likely next Monday. Enjoyed all the conversation, all the engagement. Thank you guys again for that. And we hope you enjoyed this episode of Swimming Upstream. We'll see you guys next time.